road leads? Then hear this, all ye people. Give ear, all ye inhabitants of the world, both high and low, rich and poor together. Do you indeed speak righteousness? Do you judge uprightly, all ye sons and daughters of men? And do you judge as others judge? For as you judge, you shall be judged. And if you condemn, you are condemned. Pass on. But there is no return. I'd like to give a shout out to John and the staff at Taco John's. Tex-Mex with Tude. Last night, they made me hands down the greatest meal of my entire life. The tables were the perfect height, and the ambiance was flat-out incredible. If you go there, be sure to try the unforgettable Mexican potato tot. Crispy on the outside and mushy on the inside. Covered with flavored salt. Hey, perfect for the Tex-Mex addict who wants the whole enchilada. Taco John's. Hey, guys. This is Gabe, and uh, I'd like to introduce our first sponsor, Brady Mason. He's a realtor. Have you ever even tried to buy a house before? It's impossible. Even if you do get uh, you know, approved or if you're cool enough to get a mortgage or whatever, then you have to go through and hear all this jargon from these other realtors, like a buyer, seller, mortgage. Like, what? What, am I a doctor? <laughs> Listen, I'm just trying to buy a house, guy. And that's why I'm looking for Brady Mason. If you've never bought a house before, call him. Because guess what? Brady's never sold a house before. He doesn't even have his license, but he should by the time you call him. Brady Mason. Once again, that's Brady Mason at Edina Realty. His phone number is 612-709-4333. Or BradyMason.EdinaRealty.com. Check him out. All right. Um, sorry for the windy intro, but goddamn, we've had a break, and we want to let everyone know what's going on. Uh, we weren't so great at that the first time around, so uh, but uh, let's let's get to the episode. Um, this week's episode, we have got. Um, well, she did two things. Um, young Patty was a listener, by the way. This is a listener who reached out to us, and she has worked in psych wards as well as hospice, and. We focus mainly on the hospice, but we had a really, really good time um, with her, and it was a, a really fun episode. Um, Tevin, can you remember like highlight stuff or just anything they should know? Um, yeah, I mean, she in the psych ward, her ribs were broken by by one of the people, the patients, I guess, that were there. Like she got kicked. I believe she was very small. Yeah, oh, she was extremely small. I shouldn't say extremely; like she was a mid or sm- tiny person. Oof, that was, was close. close for a black guy close. to start dropping Oof. fucking, yeah, stuff like I that. I know Brad Williams. He'd let it slide. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, what I should say is actually, so she did the episode and talked a lot about hospice stuff, and I feel it's my duty to point out that she was very concerned sort of because of jokes maybe that I made or that, or the great Steve Gillespie who joined us mm-hmm. for that episode, that we might have been crass with some of the subject matter or that just she was worried that it would appear certain ways, but insensitive. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean it bothered her a lot. I had to do a lot of phone calls. So let me let let me say this: she truly cares. She had a uh, a really great backstory as to why she got into the business, and um, I want to put it out there that she's um, whatever, not being crass, 
No. If 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 I was dying, I'd want her to Hell be yes. my nurse. You are dying, dude. You just don't know when. <laughs> well. So get with it. Um so yeah, um enjoy this episode. As I said, the great Steve Gillespie has joined us. And uh please share and uh let people know. Enjoy. On this episode of Profession Confession, she will she will be your reaper. Ooh, I like that. Your she is on on this episode of Profession Confession. The softest reaper. The angel of death. The angel of death, Patty. Who's uh what are you from China or Vietnam? I don't know, hard to tell. <laughs> Japan. Japan. Oh god, I feel like such a cad. Um, so uh now you have you are a relatively um young woman. Mm-hmm. Uh, tight. <laughs> I was gonna go I was gonna whatever be inappropriate, but I've opted not to. Um I be, uh my wife has taught me not to comment on other women's bodies. <laughs> I appreciate that. Yeah. Uh let's see. So you have in, for a relatively young um, Asian woman, there uh, you've had all my favorite jobs. This is like truly hospice worker has been on my top five since the beginning. Blows me away that anyone can choose to endure. Like I want to be with people as they fade out. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like it's just profound. And yet I bet it's just I don't know profoundly rewarding in ways and sad and all that stuff. So I do get it. I'm just saying I try to avoid emotion at all cost. So you're throwing yourself right in the breach. And then you're doing it, what, eight hours, 10 hours a day? Like, Between eight to 16. Yeah. Oh, wow. So you're doing like overnight stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And then, wow. so, so then in addition to that, she, you've done essentially after body or after death care. Yes. Is that what you, I mean, what, what do you call that? Like when you, when you toe tag them and, or we is that just bag and tags? Bag and tags. Yeah. Oh, good. It's just like, <laughs> That's what the cops call it too, or everything. <laughs> but, um, and then you, you also the reason that we got in touch is you reached out because I did a posting about psych ward nurse, which um, you've done something like that, I guess, in your past yeah. as well. Yeah, with the psychiatric patients. Okay, so this is like uh, our dream guest. I'm very excited for this one, and we're all on a time crunch, so we're gonna really hit them fast and furious with all the mm. questions I've actually prepared today. Right. And uh, yeah, and joined by us is, uh, is I'm trying to give him a nickname like, like um, well, of course we got the chocolate unicorn is uh, producing the episode as always. <laughs> and then we got the white stallion, Steve Gillespie yeah, right I here. I like that. I like that. Absolutely, man. <laughs> um, which you really, your looks are improving. Yeah, everyone keeps telling me that. Yeah, you're, you're better looking. And I looked at your brother, who's a just an unfortunate looking guy, <laughs> looks like he's in transition of something, <laughs> and not like a sexual thing. I wasn't saying that. Like I'm talking to a different animal. No. <laughs> and uh, no, really, you're just a uh, thank you. Yeah, Gabe. I appreciate uh, it. It's really and Tevin, your skin is fucking smooth as ever. Yeah, you look great, Kevin. Oh, you always do. How are my eyes? You look wonderful, Gabe. You, you look better look- in person than I expected. Ooh. Really? Yeah. I kind of expected you to be a creepy old man, you know, until I really? found you on Facebook. Yeah, he's yeah. just a creepy young man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know how to take that. I'm trying to turn it into a compliment <laughs> in my head, but it's not working. <laughs> but we're having a morning beer courtesy of Inky Brewing, one of our sponsors. Nice. 
Oh, that's lovely. I love it. I love the way that the bubbles, you know, are on top. And boy, it quenches your thirst, too. And uh, Anki Brewing is doing a promotion this month where uh, if you get a DUI on their beer, they buy it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so let's let's get to the questions. I don't know. Should we start by profession, I suppose? Let's start with the uh, hospice since we kind of started there. Since yeah. It's so incredibly dark. And then we'll laugh it up with the psych ward stuff at the end. <laughs> I like to ease into it nice and easy. Mm-hmm. I like to eat donuts while I ask people these right. questions. Well, you're going to lose your appetite later, so might as well enjoy them. That's the last one. Um, so for hospice care, uh, it's something of a passion of yours, you said? Yes, very much so. Were you a goth in high school? or? I'm still emo. You're still emo? Okay. Yes. She, she's more emo than goth. What I mean, really, how did you know you could do this? Um, it's actually a really dark story. I witnessed my mother pass away. Okay. At 16 from cancer. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. That's okay. That was a bad start to the show. Now I'm really sad. <laughs> Don't be sad. Okay. It's okay. Um, and after I kind of helped her and her death and stuff like that, I was like, wow, I want to do this for the rest of my life. I want to sit here and deal with dying patients every day. Did she give you some indication that, you know, that that was really rewarding for her or you know I mean did you have some sense that wow this is a really important thing in our world it is because I feel like people sit there with their loved ones and sometimes people die by themselves sometimes the loved ones don't know how to cope with things like that and since I went through it I'm like well you know what if I can do it anybody can do it and yeah. being not being alone and having someone who understands what it feels like to lose somebody is like an honor and yeah. something I should dedicate my life to doing no it, it I mean it is God damn, I was joking too much to start with, and now we get into this like truly meaningful stuff. But um, you do really see how, uh, you know, me as a as an older man, you live life more, and you have shit like that happen, and it, you know, it really does change your perspective on it. And you do, I would imagine, I've never lost one of my parents, um, but it's. It's got to be so incredibly profound that if anyone who hasn't lost their parents says things to you, and you know, people always do their hollow, like, oh, you know, I'm so yeah. sorry. And it's like, yeah, well, your fucking parents are alive. Yeah. Motherfucker. yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah. So it, it really does give you a whatever gravitas, I guess. Do you have a, is there, um, not the word, is there like a re- religious reason, reasons that kind of ground you in this work? Or is it, you know, do you have to, are you, like, do you feel like you're very, like, spiritual or, like, believe in the afterlife and that kind of, like, I do. You're kind of like a step on the way to that for these people? Yes. Actually, I've prayed with many of my dying patients. I'm a very devout Christian, but I believe everybody's religions are real to them. Mm -hmm. And so whether you believe that you're a Buddhist or a Satanist for Pete's sake, I don't care what you are, I will support your religion in your death. Cool. Cool. What? How many people do you think you've seen die? Um, that's a tough question. My first year working with de- dying patients, I lost over 32 in a year. And then after that, it just kind of keeps summing up. So I've done, sometimes it could be like six in a weekend. Wow. And what, is there any kind of a characteristic or feature of death in that way that you've noticed that's kind of been like, oh, you know, like didn't know that, like, are people generally serene or do you ever see people just like I'm worried that when I die, like I'll be like screaming no and gripping my son's shirt and like trying to like, ah, trying to fucking bring him with me or whatever. I don't know. Um, 
You know what I mean? Like, do you see a lot of grace and dignity among the people dying? Usually, people are very uptundent is what they call them. They don't move. They don't speak. They don't do anything. Okay. And then they'll hit random day, and they'll come up and, like, spring back to life. And then that usually gives family members a lot of hope that they're going to make it. And as cryptic as it sounds, you're not going to. You're just having your last hurrah. You say whatever. A lot of people see children as Uh you're dying. A lot of people grab the air. They get agitated, aggressive. Grab the air? Yeah. They're grabbing for things like their loved ones or ghosts or whatever they're seeing. They're grabbing in the air for that. Oh, fuck. I'm even more scared of death now. And then after that, um, they tend to settle down. And then sometimes they can last two weeks just being obtundent again. And then they just die. Obtundent? Yes. I'm going to use that. I I do that at Slumberland. (laughs) 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 Um, I have a... Yeah, please. The hospice care, like people are coming to this place to die, right? I yes. mean, that's the purpose of it's like a, a place to go where you. They're not walking the, out of there, basically, yeah, you're, right? You're, you're, you're not your, going to leave. Your last days in like a care. Okay. I was just curious if it was like more of like people come there because they're really unhealthy and then they maybe they'll be able to. I have the flu. <laughs> but when they come yeah. in, they, I mean, it was with the expectation that they are going to pass away. Not all of them, no. 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 So oh, really? I thought it was always. No. Um, this is actually at a hospital. Okay. They have it, but it's a specialized unit for that type of patient as well as um, cancer patients. Oh, okay. okay. I see. I see. What, um, so what does that look like? Like, okay, so I'm going into hospice or there's, you know, I know there's hospice in-home care where they come to you sometimes. How many people are, you know, is it, are you assigned to one person? No, I wish. It, okay. You wish? I'd wish. So that you can form a bond with them only to have it <laughs> crushed? Like, and, yeah. Yeah. Yes. From your arms? Um, I have anywhere between four to 12 patients. Depends okay. on the day. And how many other um, whatever hospice workers are in that unit, I guess? I mean, is it just you and four to whatever patients? No. Okay. Um, there's like 10 of us. Okay. For the per unit. Okay. And does each person have, I mean, I would imagine everyone has kind of defined roles, but is it... I don't know. Is someone better with the emotional part of it, or you know what I mean? Chaplains and are integrative services that um, go and do spiritual care with people. Okay. We have a whole system for spiritual care. Okay. How oh. about how, how about that in terms of uh, uh, when my grandpa, when my grandpa Alvin Big Ups to Alvin uh, died, he was agnostic or a atheist his whole life, and very staunchly. And I was really mad at his funeral because. Uh, aunt or someone said you know he was never religious in life but near the end i i think that he he took god into his heart or whatever like it was a thing like that but you know do you ever see that like people who just fully flip on their uh you know in the end and like all the time i do believe in god i do yeah yeah yeah, yeah. All, okay, the imagine. all the time yeah do you like derisively sneer at him or do you um to be honest i judge a little bit so i'm yeah. like okay but you know yeah like, everybody gets scared right i was gonna say it's got to be coming out of fear yeah, it's going to be weird for me because I've never felt it before. So it'll be like, a, yeah. I don't know, to be f- fearful. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what, uh, int- I guess, what does that look like when someone does that? Have you ever seen one that you did feel like, God, you're a fucking pathetic man? Like, 
Man no, up. I mean, I usually don't try to judge people in death. I mean, it happens. We're human. I mean, I see things like that yeah. all the time. But for the most part, you're just like, okay, that means that they're really scared to die. And yeah. they're just begging for anything, any hope in life. So yeah. I usually am just like, okay, we'll get you the chaplain. We'll say whatever. I'll pray with you, whatever you need to feel comforted. But it's very sad to watch that because yeah. you're like, you're taking this grown person who literally has believed in nothing their whole entire life or hates God or whatever. And all of a sudden they're like, Oh God, this is real. I'm going to die in this moment. And that's when it becomes real to them and they become religious for a minute or however long. Right, right. What, um, what's the most last minute you've seen that change? Have you ever seen one just as they're truly fading, like open their eyes one last time? I don't believe in God. <laughs> it's like their last ditch. <laughs> right. Just like, like, ah, I, I couldn't make it Jesus the whole way. Christ as my savior. Yep. I can't go to hell. Is it too late? It's too late to get in. Um, I actually pray for the patients after they die. Yeah. So I guess that'd be his last second is after they've already dead, been dead. I'm saying where they re, like recant, essentially. Like what's the latest you've ever seen in that process is a really stupidly specific question. but um, I don't know, to be honest. Okay. Probably the same day, I'd presume. How do they usually express it? They ask for it. Really? They'll ask, like, can I have, um, I can't remember what it's called, but the Catholic priest will come in and say like their last words with them. Okay. Their last chance to be saved. Last words. That's we did a paramedic episode, our first paramedic episode, mm-hmm. and he talked a lot about you know he did it for fifteen years. He's watched over a hundred people die, same thing, and he talked about them sort of like uh, forcing their last words on you. You know, like I don't want to. That's a huge thing to bear. Yeah, you know, yeah. I would think. Um, have Have you had a lot with that? Or I suppose you're there <laughs> to do it, sort of. Yeah, um, some people are always like, oh, tell that my loved one that I loved them and just stuff like that, basic stuff. Mm-hmm. Nothing too gross and dirty. I'm sure that'll happen eventually, though. Yeah. Have time. You, so you've never gotten any like requests like, hey, can you go, I forgot to go do X, Y, Z. Like, can you tell them to go do something that's not related to I love you or anything like that? No, not yet. Um, sure. But there's a lot of sometimes horny old men at times that uh, have asked for sexual favors, uh, to be honest, towards their end of time. Shut the fuck up, yeah. really? And sometimes as we're turning them, they'll grab your um, chest or your butt sometimes. Hey. Well, yeah. Just one they, last on one. On your way out the, the door. Yeah. Yeah. They grab you? Yeah. Oh, man. Oh, it's like in the <laughs> 70s where you gave your, uh, you know, the lady who gives you a coat, you give her a pat on the ass on the way to your, you know, your drunk driving or whatever. That's very common. Yeah. <laughs> Is it really? Yeah. Wow. Do you, does it ever turn you on? No. <laughs> I'm joking. I know. Necrophilia isn't no, really my it's thing. Just absolutely. It, it really is. Um, but that kind of brings me to a question I was going to ask is like, like, how do you feel like, are you, you're spending a lot of time with these people before they pass away? Yeah. Are you, is there every time, and I'm sure there is, there's times when you're, I mean, I'm not saying like a sexual bond, but there's gotta be like a, some deep relationships that you've had with some of these people. Do you feel like that, that's hap- that happens or is it more, you've kind of put up your own walls cause you know, they're going to be passing away. All the time. I honestly, I can probably tell you I cry at least once a week for all my patients. Really? Yeah. I grow very deep on. How much you get paid for that? I don't get paid a lot. <laughs> Can you imagine that for a job? You have to cry once a week, like yeah, a, yeah. Well, an emotional I mean, I actually death. Actually, already have that yeah. job, but yeah, uh, yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> what? Uh, well, I mean, really, how much does a hospice? You know, your average doesn't have to be you. Like, you know, what's the average pay? Um, about twenty bucks an hour. So you think there's a whole group of people in the world who can? I don't know. Who can bear that for twenty dollars an hour? It's amazing. I mean, yeah. it's good. It's it's a it's a necessary function. What to what Steve said, I had a similar question, um, and I think this is more for like the 
toe tag kind of stuff or people who maybe you didn't have along where you don't know much. Do you ever find yourself creating alternate reality backstories kind of thing where it's like, I don't know, where like you see them and go like, oh, in a, I don't know, that you could have loved them or liked them or I, I don't know. It, it doesn't even have to be you, but do you form backstories for them? Ever. Sometimes, yeah. If I don't know anything about the patient, let's just say I walked onto the floor and then they died. I'm like, I don't know anything about you. I'll be like, oh, I wonder what you did. Maybe yeah. you were like a plumber. Or maybe you were a teacher or whatever. Yeah, I would be really consumed by that, I think. Or just kind of imagining what their life was like and what brought them there. And um, I'd probably waste a lot of time and get in trouble from yeah. doing that. <laughs> well, sometimes we hide in the rooms during really busy shifts with the deceased really? body just to like have a minute to cool off from the rest of what's going on outside the doors. How is wow. what what defines a busy a busy shift? Is that like where a lot of people are dying, or there's just a lot of people in the hospice? Well, it's a hospital facility. Or, okay. So you're having patients that are there for um, cancer treatments, for um, just regular med- surgical procedures and stuff like that. Things so, stuck in their ass. Yeah. Well, that's <laughs> happened more time or two, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> that's more of the psych stuff, but. Um, so we'll just go in there because you can't even go to the bathroom sometimes because you're so busy going between room and room and room and room. So sometimes we'll just sit in there for like five minutes and just sit in the silence. What, um, going back again to the dying process, what percentage of people do you think do face death with dignity or welcome it? or You know, like how does it line up kind of for all those things? Um, if they're a patient that's been, because hospice can last anywhere from like, Six for six months mm-hmm. to a few days. It depends on every patient. And the ones that have had a longer time to cope with it, they go in very strong in knowing that they're going to die. There's some patients that are like, I'm ready to die. And they yeah. sign it up for themselves. Some you have to kind of coerce them into being like, okay, you're going to die. And yeah. you need to prepare. What's the real... So yeah, what, how, what are those conversations? Give them an assignment when they're yeah. Done? What are those conversations yeah. like? I mean, are you having to do that? If, if you had to do that, you're like basically like I'm walking this person through their own fear and like you have conversations kind with of them, convincing them that they are going to die. You have to tell them that we've done every treatment that we could possibly do for you, and, and I'm sorry that unfortunately there is nothing that we can do for you any longer except for make you comfortable, and then we would con- transition them into comfort care, yeah, which is the step before hospice care. Yeah. How are they acting that spur, you know, you know, I don't know if we can say you're, and I don't know your age, but I'm just going to say you're 23, even though you look way younger. Um, do, <clears throat> what are they doing that makes a 23 year old girl go, okay, I got to fucking check this <laughs> old guy. Like, or, buddy, you're going to die. And if you are an go. older person, on top of that, the like, second part of that question is if you are an older person and I'm, I have a 20 some, you know, a young girl telling me that I'm. Like, that's got to be hard for some people to yeah, be... right. Yeah, you know. You probably don't know this, but um, old, <laughs> um, older men get very... Uh, it's weird to be told by a younger person yeah. what, right. you know, especially, like... Yeah. Especially when the people that are you're working with are for the people that have, like, lived through NOM, and they're like, oh, you haven't seen the stuff that I've lived yeah. through. Don't tell me that I'm not going to make it through yeah. this cancer. Or just even to tell me how to face it or yeah. something. Yeah, like that. yeah. I don't get taken very seriously for the most part. Um, usually the <laughs> woman will take me more seriously. Yeah. Um, but you just kind of just try to tell them, like, I understand. I know it means nothing coming from me, and I know you're holding on hope, but I understand yeah. what it feels like to have all that hope and to know that there's nothing you can do. Because to an extent, I do understand. I wasn't the person being told that I'm going to die, but my yeah. mother was. And mm-hmm. so I've seen stuff like that, and you just kind of, it helps reassure them since you understand to an extent what they're going through. Yeah. Do, do you, I guess, what 
how are they behaving where you go, uh, this guy's doing this, I got to go, you know, lower the boom on him, I guess. Like, what's, you know, what are they doing, I guess? I'm sorry, I'm still To tell them that they're going to be passing on? To make you say that. You, You know, like, how are they acting? Like, are they just, they're trying to be jokey? Or, like, do you see them not acknowledging what's going on, trying to be too positive or trying to joke and laugh where you go, hey, you're going to be dying, man. They like usually gonna... aren't doing too much because the doctors already kind of told them a lot of the stuff. Um, but they just kind of are like not wanting, okay, the basic process is they're not, they're wanting to be DNAR, which is do not resuscitate what we want them to be. When they're still okay. full code blue status is when we have to have the conversation with them and tell them that you're not really going to make it. You're going to make us waste our resources. Please don't. Like essentially? <laughs> No, it's just we're, it, there's no point of being that anymore because yeah. there's no survival tactic that's going to save your life. Right. <laughs> Unfortunately. There's like, no survival tactic that You can prolong it a little yeah. bit, but overall you're going to be passing away and it might be more hard on your body to physically be resuscitated. Yeah. What, then, what's, uh, what, what's the most, um, you know, I, we all have like chemical connections to people right away and all that stuff. Is there, are there any that stuck out to you that were really heartbreaking, you know, besides your mother and things like that, just at work where you saw, I don't know, where it was really devastating to you that that person died? All the time. Um, yeah. Since I worked with cancer, you're with the patient for sometimes two, three, four years yeah. long. You're getting oh, to wow. know them. You're growing a relationship with them. You know their families. You know their friends. Yeah. You know everything yeah. about them. I would think that you would possibly even get closer to them than they are with some of the maybe their even closest family and i was that was one of the questions i wanted to ask you is did you ever encounter um like family members or maybe like a spouse or somebody like that that was like jealous of your relationship with the patient has that happened um there was one incident where this female and her boyfriend were staying with us and she yelled at him because he was helping me take out the trash out of the room because she was jealous was she the one who was in hospice care? No. Okay. They were there for cancer treatment. Okay. They were, they were there. both okay. there? No. She oh. was staying with them because oh, you can okay. stay with them. Oh, you can. Okay. Yeah. And it, she was accusing him of flirting with me and stuff like that because he was helping me take out the trash out of the room. Yeah. I mean, I would think that, you know, you're if you're that like intimate with somebody as far as like you're going through their dying moments, you know, that there's going to be people in their lives that are like, hey, they know I'm not why I'm not. I was with you your whole life. Why am I not this person that gets to share this? I would think that that would happen. It does sometimes because they'll kick families out of the room or the family won't be there and you're actually there when the patient dies and the family gets really frustrated because they want to be there with the patient yeah. when they die and they're not. What 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 is the most um, or what is the least dignified death that you've ever seen? Someone vomiting through their mouth and shitting at the same time as they're dying. Oh, <laughs> oh my god! I was I was meaning more and human also, behavior and also was, trying to grab your tits. Yeah. You call, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> call that the old tube of toothpaste, just fucking coming out each end. Um, oh yeah, God, that's I always awesome. thought she was gonna be like, oh, this guy was a real asshole when he went out. Like, was he? Do- oh God, I mean, gotta be a guy, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, was that out of pain or was he raging at the process or like. I the guess. body relaxes and gets angry at the same time. Oh, I'm shitting too. Did he at least make eye contact with you? Like, a, no. I'm sorry. I was on the side because I wasn't trying to get hit. Yeah. yeah. 
Wow, what is the... He makes eye How about the least dignified in terms of how they acted? Like, do you ever see someone being really fucking ugly? They don't die that instantly. Um, Right. But the most undignified person of... Yeah, I just mean like in the last month, let's say, or whatever, like how they handle it. They get really angry. They throw things at you. They curse at you. They call you God knows how many different disgusting names. Um, Really? They fight with family, family members. They fight with everybody. Sometimes they... You start to lose your cognitive ability, and you can get really aggressive. And so we'll call like a lot of um, code greens or whatever to come have a security team handle them, manhandle them, and restrain them. And seeing them have to die in restraints can sometimes be very frustrating. Die in restraints? Yes. Fuck that shit. Yeah. I'm not doing yeah. that. Yeah. That's well. I mean, how much? How much? I mean, they gotta be using morphine, right? And a lot of. I mean, there's gotta be a lot of yeah, drugs that are being. They don't always work. Morphine doesn't always work. No, yeah, not too much always. Pain for morphine. Yeah, you build up a tolerance. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Um, I mean, how much? How much are they using? Like on a percentage wise, like pretty much every patient that's dying, they're, they, are they giving them morphine, or is it for the most part? Yeah. yeah. Um, it varies how much based on the person, the patient themselves, and sometimes you can completely snow someone, and it still doesn't work. That must be a huge, and I don't want to go too far down this rabbit hole, but that must be a huge issue, hospice workers taking medication and selling it. No. Oh, it's got to be. It's out or there. Using it's it. A lot of it's pe- locked up. You have a, well, in the in a hospital, since we're doing it at a hospital, everything's very measured. Okay, in-home hospice workers. That's who we got to find. What, um, I have so many questions that I'm trying to get, let's see. How much laughter is there in your workplace? We laugh every day. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's I mean, gotta be some humor I'm, going on. I'm sure they right. do. I, I'm just wondering, how about this? What's the most inappropriate laughter? Is there one you've ever felt bad, like as someone's fading out, someone does something funny, and then you're all laughing, and the person's someone makes mad, a fart but, noise. Yeah. Um, sometimes we'll crack jokes to get through it as we're turning a deceased patient. As you're what? We're actually physically bagging somebody. We'll make oh, jokes, to try sure. to make it a little funnier. I can get <laughs> get a little funnier. Trying to make it a little funnier. <laughs> um, what do you think would surprise people, or what? I don't know. Is there some part of the death process that you didn't know, and then you found out, or I don't know? That would really surprise yeah, like people. remorse. How many people are like super remorseful, or like, oh, I'm really sorry about all the things I did in my life and I, all the mistakes I made, all the regrets that they have. Does that come up a lot in the? Yeah, a lot of people make. Um pages and journals and videotapes and recordings of them apologizing for things that they've done. Um, some of the patients will apologize for their behavior towards us a lot. That's really? very common. Yeah, I can see that. What, have you ever seen anything where you go like, no, too late, dude, you don't get to fucking, or I don't know, I've, I cheated on, like, to his wife, like, I've cheated on you with 38 women and, and I'm sorry and I love you. <laughs> I don't know. Have you ever seen some really... I don't know, really ugly shit from people's? No, not really yet, um, because I've only been there for two years, so you only see so much. Um, You do see people say sorry a lot, though. Okay. I mean, I haven't heard anyone cheat on anybody yet. Right. But you do see it. They have. I do see people come in with their, like, significant other, and then some other girl come over later on Ah, in the night. So that is a thing. Like a mistress? A little hospice movie call? balls. (laughs) Wow. That is some balls. One uh, patient actually allowed, the wife actually allowed his mistress to be with him when he passed on. Like, both of them together. Crazy. Um, the French French president or Italian prime minister, I, I, I can't remember which one, but 
had at his state funeral, his wife held hands with his mistress at really? his funeral. I was like, that's fucking game. <laughs> like, that is like, he has, you were president and you got your wife to fucking like yeah. hold your mistress's hand. Like, yeah. this guy is incredible. Yeah. He's fucking Michael Jordan of life. Yeah, he beat the game. Yeah, exactly. He beat the, game. He beat the last monster. Um, what is the, have you ever had to turn, I don't know, have, have you ever struggled with getting too close to your patients, I guess? Or like ever had to go like, this one in particular I'm really connected to? All, a lot, very a lot. common. So is that is that a strength in your job or is that something you it's need to deal with? It's a strength and weakness. Yeah. I, it's a strength as you can have a relationship with a patient and be very close with them, but it's a weakness to the point where I was crying over their deceased body and I'm like, yeah. okay, you know what, I need to take a step back and I don't think I can actually put a toe tag on this patient yeah. because it's too difficult for me. Yeah. Have, you ever, have you ever fallen in love with a patient? Not That's yet. Exactly <laughs> ask. Yeah. We've seen it happen though. For sure. Yeah, I mean, I can see that. Yeah. What what it's just so whenever emotions are that yeah I don't know and you know it's in a vulnerable really place and we I think doing this podcast we're talking to people about really personal things and stuff and I I, I always feel really connected to to all the people who come and do it like I really you know and and uh, you know I masturbate to them and, <laughs> you know, but but no but uh, you know you do feel like a, a real connection so imagine that imagine if I was dying. I'd hold your hand. Yeah, thank you. You're welcome. She, she held your hand while you're dying. And be like, I think she likes me. Yeah. <laughs> then I then I grab. I'd hold something else. Huh? What else yeah, do you but, see as far as like what people request? Have any been awkward? I, I always have a weird thing about embarrassment, and you'll hear people like, I don't know, like to have someone be childlike or be, I don't know. Is there anything that sticks out to you where you're like, this guy's pathetic? No, no? Um, we a lot of people just request alcohol, as odd as that sounds. No, that's not odd at no. all. <laughs> I'm drinking in the morning. Do that. <laughs> right. What about other drugs? Anybody ever request any like illegal substances? Marijuana. That's about it, though. Will you guys give them marijuana? We physically can't give them marijuana, but other people can give them a form of marijuana. I mean, you can sneak it in. It's not that hard to do. Really? Yeah. People are sneaking in weed, and then they're oh, like yeah. smoking it in the rooms? Yeah, and then we have to call security on them and have them escorted off the property, but, you know, at least you got it. They're in a hospice. Wait, so they got so they got escort the patients off the property? The people that brought the marijuana in. Oh, okay. Mm. So, all right. I was going to say, we should start a drug <laughs> hospice. <Yeah. laughs> like, you can come in here and do whatever you want, man. Blow lines. Um what what has working in hospital how has that informed your view of death i i mean i personally love death as creepy as that sounds so, but yeah. it it's the most disgusting thing you can imagine it's very death is it's not as beautiful as people like show it on television and things like that you like, mean like the bodily functions of it well it's that shit. it's it's very disgusting because mm. you release everything that's inside your body mm. is it um, generally like a diarrhea type shit or is it a log <laughs> it's <laughs> usually it's <laughs> diarrhea mm-hmm. yeah well that was a that's hell of a question. <laughs> but usually a lot of people are in a lot of pain no matter how many drugs you give them. A mm-hmm. lot of people are uncomfortable. Your mouth is stuck open. Your body completely, like, you have no function in your body, but your brain is still there. So that's the, like, your hearing's the last thing to go. So you can hear everyone talking around you, Fuck but you that. can't talk really? back. Oh, yeah. Weird. Do, you, do you warn, like, the family members, like, hey, 
Don't talk He's shit. Hearing shit. So let's not uh, yeah. air them out here. Yeah. We do. We warn them that, like, okay, they can hear exactly what you're saying about them and stuff like that. And sometimes I've asked families to leave the room because I'm like, okay, they you're talking about things that the patient doesn't need to hear. You know, like, after this, I think we should take some of the money and we should get jet skis. <laughs> <laughs> what, is, what, what is some of the ugliest patient's family behavior you've seen? Yeah. They physically fought us before. They've yelled and cursed at the patients. They've cursed at us. They've thrown things. They've Why have they fought you? Is it usually money-related? It's never money. Well, sometimes it's money-related because they can't afford the bills, but they fight you because you're taking care of the patient. They get angry about whether you're the way you're caring for the patient, the way you're talking to the patient, anything related to the patient or the, the patients themselves dying. They're like, why didn't you tell us? Or why didn't you call us on time? Yeah. Is there any difference for... Okay, how about this? What is the most, I guess, the other side of that? What's the most beautiful family behavior you've seen around? Anything that's struck you? Um, The devoted family members that stay through the whole entire thing all the time. They'll stay there overnight. They'll stay there all day. They don't leave very often except for to bathe and stuff like that. I think people get too much credit for that. Like what? <laughs> right. You're dying. Yeah, like, I can't go home. Loved one and <laughs> I can't get a break from this. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it also like, it's like, no, nah, I can't go to work. Hanging out with my, mm-hmm. my, you know, my wife's dying. And he's just on his cell phone in the lobby, the playing Candy Crush and shit. Right. Like, I gotta pay these bills for this fucking hospice. So yeah, honey, I gotta go to work. Sorry, yeah. I got a comedy show soon. Um, I got like with my wife going through the birth process. This is what I'll relate to it. She had a, a horrible, a brutal second birth, and shit where they didn't get the um epi- whatever the drugs like they didn't get it right and it was super fucking painful and it was so stressful that i was like trying to you ever do that where you stand in one spot and your foot starts like going away from you kind of like starts stepping towards the door and i'd be like no i can't leave and i was trying to <laughs> go like uh do you want some food like like i kept asking her if she wants food or something uh, as she's going through this horrible thing because i wanted to leave so bad yeah <laughs> <laughs> Do your patients, do you give them like a, do they get like a last meal type of situation, like on death roll? Like, no, like where it's like, oh, before I go, I want to have Popeye's chicken one more time. Usually, yes, but as cryptic as it sounds, they actually don't get it. Really? Because like, usually by the time you finally like, are really like, oh, I'm dying, you're like, you can't eat anything anymore. Have you ever seen anyone really milk the the, uh, process of dying? Oh my gosh, all the time. (laughs) How do they milk it? What does that mean? They're just like, oh, I'm dying. I can't do that. Or, oh, can you go fluff my pillow? And even though they can, they're completely still <laughs> independent. Like they just got the news, and they're like, oh, woe is me. And it's it's okay. I get it. Yeah. But when you've been working with it so long, you're like, okay, I get it. Like I have actual people who can't do that stuff. Yeah. But yeah, you want me to fluff your pillow right now? Right. When someone has to go to the bathroom. What's the most? Uh, oh man, it'd be funny to constantly. Well, I guess this is the last time I'll do this. <laughs> just <to> constantly. <laughs> constantly abuse people with that I mean have you ever seen one where where you had to go like okay you know like all the time eventually you have to get really eventually you just have to get the balls to be like I'm sorry like I will get to you in like five minutes Mm -hmm. I have to go take care of somebody who physically can't take care of themselves yet (laughs) so when you have those patients that are like a pain in the ass is there ever like whether it's you or any of your co-workers where they've been like you know, yeah, I'm sad that they are gone, but God, now we don't have to deal with their bullshit anymore. Every day. Have you ever been, like, <laughs> guilty, like, flat-out happy that someone died? I'm never happy someone dies, but I'm happy that they're never. not my problem anymore. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. a very nice way to I'm going to put that on my tombstone. <laughs> I'm not your problem. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
what's the scariest death that you've seen? Like, has there been one that where you like go, oh man, there is something out there that's horrible? Like, guy goes, no, no, stay away from me. <laughs> <laughs> ah, 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 why do you have that trident? <laughs> ah, your tail's <laughs> Get your horns out of my. Ah. Those are the creepy ones. Um, the ones. Those are the creepy ones. <laughs> That's a real. That happens. People, they don't die instantly after that, but during the death process, they're like I said, they're always reaching out to grab things, and they're hallucinating so badly. Sometimes mm. a lot of them see children, or like sometimes they see monsters. At, like I'm not kidding you, they actually see yeah. monsters, and so they're talking to things that aren't there. And those are really scary for me because I'm like, oh, yeah. you're gonna die soon. Like you're gonna die tonight or tomorrow. Yeah. Because now you're seeing like the afterlife, and it's yeah. really creepy. So have you seen, have you had that happen where like the white light thing, where you know like a patient's like dying, maybe they're in the process of dying, and then they come out of that and they survive for another day or two, but they were like they're lucid enough to remember where they were for that moment of where they died, you know that white light kind of thing. You get what I'm asking? Yeah, yes. I yeah. haven't had that yet, but I hope <laughs> I hope I do. Yeah, yeah, I yeah, because it become except if you read the well whatever. There's like this study. St- I read something once and I, my brain, I don't remember it. Well, it's DMT. I mean, your, your brain is releasing DMT in when, when, when that process. My brain is constantly. Yeah. <laughs> so, and I've smoked a lot of DMT. And, uh, yeah, yeah, you, see, DMT. All kinds, <laughs> you DMT. see all kinds of like beings and you're hallucinating for sure, 100%. Have you ever got a profound life lesson out of seeing one of your patients whether it's their mistakes or how they do live their life where you go like I'm actually going to change this aspect of my life a lot of them regret not in actually enjoying life as crazy as it sounds like I work too much or I did yeah. this too much so I try I work a lot but like I try to just have more fun and not care about little things yeah that's great I mean that's uh, one of the things with this show or want, like wanting to do it is I feel like people who are working around these kind of stakes all the time high stakes are generally really fun people to hang out with and uh, do you ever deal with children I don't even know One if I can time. go here but okay Ooh. what um, it, I mean it must be just much 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 worse it was because it was a foster kid and uh-huh. the family wasn't ever visiting them so oh they called us God. mom all the time like he called me mom he called every female staff member mom all the time. That is the most profoundly heartbreaking he? thing I've ever heard. He, it was actually a really weird case where they were older than what they were, but their body and mind were of a child. Really? How old they? So they were 20, about 26, 27 years old, and they had the mind and body and like the personality of like a child that was like eight or seven years old. He looked eight? Yeah. Or seven? Really? Yeah. This is like a Benjamin Button sort of thing. It really no. was. It was really trippy. <laughs> It is. <laughs> no, no, I mean, <laughs> he wasn't aging backwards, was he? I think he just was deficient or sick, so he didn't grow. No, it was like an actual like disease, and I can't remember what it was called. Though. It was it was Benjamin called Benjamin Button Button's disease. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, Steve. You're exactly right. Yeah. Um, let's see. I'm just have, checking. Have you ever had somebody good. where? You're there. You're in the hospice, and you're like, okay, they're dead. But then they like maybe make one last quick movement, and like grab your arm, and like, no, I'm not. Or like, they haven't made the last flashback. movement. But your body, after you die, can make noises. And like one time, I was like in the room with a deceased patient, and I turned my back, and all I heard, Ugh, like some ungodly noise. I would be out the door, and yeah. I dropped to the ground because I got so scared. And then I bowed out of the room, and then I made some other staff members go in with me because I'm like, I swear he's alive, even though they just called like time of death, and they're like, no, they're not. And I'm like, yes, they are. 
Wow. Now yep, you man. you had alluded to day. some some paranormal stuff. Yes. Which, so I'm not. You know, I'm more maybe science. So I'm I'm skeptical going in. I'll say this, but I, I love hearing the stories and stuff. So so um, yes, please cool. please go ahead with that. Um. Which oh, where do I even begin? You, yeah. What's I mean. Which, what thing have you seen that shook you the most? Was it that? No, the chair moving. Chair moving? Yeah. So what was the, yeah, so let's, let's. Could you see the fish? Yeah, so so um, there was just me and one other staff member and it was, uh, I worked overnight, so it was probably around two, three o'clock in the morning was when I was went on break. And I left and I looked at all my patients and there was nothing, everything wasn't the way it should be. I come back to go around to my patients and in this dying patient's room, there was a chair moved and placed like it was visiting the patient, like I was sitting facing towards you. No one's in the room. And I go into the next room. I'm like, oh, maybe the nurse came in here or something. This patient's alert and orientated and completely independent. They were awake when I left but sleeping now. And there was a chair at the end of the bed. And then I go and tell the nurse because I'm like, why are these chairs moving? Like, what are you doing? Well, it's only me and her. She's like, no, I didn't go in there at all. And she comes in and she's freaking out because these chairs moved. So wow. two in the morning. Yes. And in different rooms, the chairs kept arranging themselves as if they're visiting. Yes. That is so fucking creepy, I believe. <laughs> I um, believe <laughs> In the same exact room, because it's one of the most haunted rooms we have, I was talking to an alert and orientated patient who was completely coherent, and um, I was heard overheard something. It was just me and another staff member, because we were very understaffed at night, and we both hear, me and the patient, hey, do you need help with anything? And I look, and there's no one there. And then I'm like, okay, that's weird. And then I go into the, other, the nurse, and I'm like, did you say, did I need help with anything? And she's like, no, I didn't say anything at all. But yet me and this patient both heard someone talk to us, and no one was there. So you, there's a haunted room. That's what I was gonna say. You said most haunted. Right. Yes. Yeah. Like what? Do you just take it for granted? This place is haunted. There are spirits here. All the time. It's completely yeah. haunted. Yeah. And I and just to clarify my position, Steve, I don't know where you're at with it or Tevin, but I'm I'm kind of like, I I do I absolutely am open to the possibility like energy yeah. or something like that and the whatever. But I don't know. I, I'm more scared of it than anything. I'm more like, I don't want to believe it because it's scary. And, yeah. And um, I just kind of want to, like, leave the curtain. No, up. there's, there's you know definitely what I mean? I just, Yeah, there's ghosts. something going on, and I'm not, I'm not going to look behind the curtain, and I don't, I'm just going to, yeah. ignorance is bliss. Yeah, no, there's. how I look at it. Yeah, I, there's 100% ghosts are real. Yeah. Dead. Dead. All that. 100%. Like, I'm saying 100%. <laughs> I lived in a house in college that was haunted. And yeah, like no, no. When we don't play games, with I got held. Yeah, ghosts. I got held down, and I was raped by a female ghost. She rode me, cowgirls, Ooh, and I'm dead serious. Bus. Yeah, I'm dead <laughs> serious. I, I so were you? Were you like you were like uh, half college, awake? So I was a little bit better looking then. So. Yeah, half awake. You think? Were you like? Cause I think, I, they call I that, that like lucid dreaming. Yeah, yeah, like that's that's what I believe it was. I was yeah. drinking and drugging and doing everything yeah. all the time. So I was always on like an hour of sleep. Yeah, probably, but I don't know. Yeah, but she fucked me pretty good. <laughs> took my jack from me. And uh, yeah, we had a good time. <laughs> took my jack from me. <laughs> um, she really emptied my bag. No. Um, it was not a wet dream. <laughs> um, I guess we should probably... I don't know. What what are we missing from hospice? Oh, no. Keep going with the ghost shit. I'm sorry. I yeah. cut you off. Oh, that's okay. Um, what have you heard people say? Um, one time there was a patient's family member that came in and said she felt something push against her chest and that something's evil in that room and requested a new room ASAP. Oh, really? Yes. Was that the same room, that the haunted? No, there's multiple room? rooms that are haunted okay. in this place. 
Wow. Do you guys ever have... We should set them up with our ghost hunters. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, we can take our ghost hunting team in there. Yeah. Yeah, we have our own team. <laughs> <laughs> the profession. Did you have ghost hunters? Yeah. yeah. Were they yeah. just like the nerdest, nerdiest of the nerds? No, they're actually like they more were... skeptics in that we went in there to debunk, but then they uh, were like, over time, we're like, no, ghosts are... Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, so I actually liked it. So I was annoyed he booked it at the time like I was yeah. kind of like eh, fucking ghost hunt like you have those shows all the time they never fucking find anything yeah, like yeah, it's yeah. just it's bullshit yeah. and and then I I, um, I really like those people and they because they did approach it just how you know how Tevin said mm-hmm. so yeah so so that is more compelling to me that people I don't know people who seem to be around it like that are pretty unshakable like you are well, thank you. I'll tell you the scariest story that ever happened to me with that. Yeah. yeah. Um, actually made me believe, well, I always believed in demons and ghosts and stuff like that, but I've never, I've started to believe that maybe what people as schizophrenics are seeing are actual demons or ghosts. Uh-huh. Because one time I walked into work and I had absolutely no badge, nothing. The nurse didn't say my name. No, there's no way this patient would have said, known my name. Okay. And they kept saying, oh, the man's behind you, the man's behind you, the man's behind you. And they kept repeating that over and over and over again. And I kept reassuring them, hey, you're okay, you're safe, there's nobody behind you. I I promise you like everything's fine and then she grabbed my arm and she looked at me dead in the face and said there's no man behind you the man's gonna get you there's no man behind you no there, there, is, a there is a man behind you he's gonna get you yes that is fucking like yeah. i would crawl. have blood how do you in my not put your two weeks notice in at that point yeah. like I'm, i walked out how? of the room ran in there and refused to go into that room ever again in my life yeah that's a very hard job for someone who's religious, you know, just yes. having to, you know, having to, whatever, you know, just, yeah, you got to take that shit more seriously. Well, having them know your name was like, and I've nobody said yeah. my name the whole entire day. It's like, right. how do you know my name? Weird. And huh. what, do you have a theory of who you think she saw? I don't know. I think she saw some damn demon or something like that. Because I know that place some is haunted. Damn demon. <laughs> <laughs> it's a sitcom I'm working on. That damn demon. <laughs> What, um, so yeah, actually we should go to the psych ward stuff then a little bit. Yeah. And so you did not work in a psych ward and we can edit this however you, or however you choose, but, um, but you worked in a place that had people come in with like brain injuries or where they weren't sure what's... They're overall anything to do with mental health, whether it's a traumatic brain injury, Alzheimer's, dementia, or any sort of psychological disorder like schizophrenia or things like that. Okay. And you, so really you were getting a big variety of head cases yes. coming in. What with, yeah. Um, what was your experience with that? Cause you said, um, some of the psych uh, questions that we put up, can you pull those up the, uh, because she looked at some of those questions that we posted oh, and yeah. you said okay. that you had had, um, yeah, I'll pull them up. Okay. If you keep going. So we're going to yeah. go to the psych ward stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I think yeah, so. Unless, it. or should we do, should we do listener questions on the hospice stuff first? Maybe. Yep. Okay, we'll do that and kind of wrap up hospice and then and then do that. David Riv that wants to know, what's the hardest thing about calling the family once they're gone? Well, that's a good question. That's a great question. When they didn't expect it, and then they, because sometimes people don't expect them to die so soon, and having to be like, okay, your family member died, and they're like, well, we didn't get to say bye, we didn't get to say yeah. our goodbyes, or we weren't ready, we didn't think they were going to die, like all this stuff for like families waiting to come from out of town or other countries even yeah. to come say goodbye, and then it's too late. Yeah. What do you What do you think of that in general? Like people saying goodbye. Like, is that? Do you view that as profoundly important to the death process? 
Yes, because yeah. it's a way of coping. Yeah. And being like, okay, I understand. It's like admitting that they're going to die. And this is like the last time you're going to probably see them alive or coherent enough to talk to them again. Yeah. I, you know, you always hear people say that, you know, I never got to say goodbye. I always think when someone I never met died, and they're like, I never got to say hello. And saying goodbye to people is like, I had to, like, my uncle passed away not too long ago, and like, he was down in Louisiana. Like, like said goodbye. Because so <laughs> I, I, I said goodbye over the phone, and it was like, it was sad, but it was like the most awkward. It happened. Yeah. Like, I had a really it, bad it just one. just trailed on. I was like, well, uh, like, and I just, Talk trying to linger. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, really, okay, really, well, I gotta, I gotta go back to work right now. So uh, I guess we'll see you. I had a really wow. hard one, man. I, my grandfather was dying, and mm. I didn't know. I mean, I knew that he was like, it, it was you know like a few months of him being kind of in that yeah state. And then I was on a way to a gig. I think it was like I was driving a long ways. I had just smoked a joint on my drive, and I was got a phone call from my my stepmother and she's like hey it's it's time he's about to pass and i'm gonna put she's like i'm putting the phone up to his ear right now go ahead <laughs> what <laughs> it's like doing radio for a comedy gig exactly, on the phone. Yeah. exactly. <laughs> i was just like uh and, and then i felt so yeah. awkward and like i mean this is the last words i was like stumbling through what i was trying yep. to say and it's i like had a, was I make a joke or something it was wow it was bad yeah. i felt I mean, I don't really, I don't blame her. I mean, no. you know, she's in a position of the, the last minute, so. Yeah. Evil stepmother just, just cackles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I mean, just, oh, just straight. I was just like, and I remember hanging up and, or, you know, the phone call or the, the ended and I was just like, it really ruined my, kind of my whole weekend because I was just They like, ruined your weekend. <laughs> well, just like. bastards. <laughs> hey, just they like, ruined Steve Gillespie's <laughs> weekend. <laughs> it just, I mean, I, yeah, it was just. One of one of my biggest regrets, really, yeah. in my life, is how that went down. Because I just like I <laughs> so unprepared, so like Sorry. awful. That's, that's so. What what was he doing? Like, I mean, was he just conscious? he was completely silent. He couldn't talk. Yeah, oh, that's, 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 yeah that's how my so, uncle was. Yeah, yeah, so I had to like keep. And the pressure too is hard. <laughs> I hate it when people are in quiet. Moment. <laughs> and then when I, like when I was talking to my uncle, my what thought was. Am I on speakerphone? Like, can they hear yeah, yeah, what yeah. I'm saying? Like, if I'm on speaker, like, then if I try to make a joke, are they all going to judge me now? Yeah, and, yeah. yeah. It was, I was a train wreck. Did, uh, did I ever tell the story about when uh, my grandpa Alvin died? Like, how I found that out? I was at, so I was, I this is when I was living in L.A., and I flew back here because we knew it was kind of the end around the holidays or something. So it was, that was kind of one of the reasons to, mm. to come back, and we stayed longer because of it because he was on the way out. And then all of a sudden it looked like got a reprieve. He's going to be around maybe a month, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. So, okay, go home. So I come back to Minneapolis and so do a little fucking party on the way out of town, see some friends. And someone got some ecstasy and I was just fucking ripped on ecstasy, like rolling and my phone rings at like 2 a.m. And it's my dad. No, it was 6 a.m. It was the morning. Oh, damn. And it was my dad. And I was like, <laughs> like where he just could barely even see the phone. It's doing circles. Mm-hmm. And I pick it up, and he's like, you know, well, Gabe, your your grandpa Alvin has died. <laughs> it was like, it, but you're like smiling and it like ecstatic. It was very conflicting uh, feeling yeah. at the time, but yeah, yeah, it was it was a weird way. I have a I have a, I just heard a really good story, kind of similar to that. I worked with this comedian um, Drew Fries in Madison, and he told me that the first time he ever did mushrooms, his friends did a bunch of mushrooms late at night, like ten and 
10 at night. So he was tripping until the next day, like all through the night and into the morning. And then 9-11 happened. Wow. He was tripping when 9-11 happened. I I woke up. I slept through the day and I woke up and I remember going like, did that happen? Like, did that really happen? And it really, and I was scared to call my parents to ask because it's like, he looked like a maniac. I was on my way to fourth grade class for 9-11. Really? Fourth grade. I was in my dorm room in college. I was. Um, yeah, so I had one last, one yeah. last question for you, to, um, and I, I think it was one of the questions someone asked you on the Facebook thread. But it was something mm-hmm. I had written down was. Well, let's do fucking you be- butt them out of the way so you can get your glory. <laughs> <laughs> did you uh, did you want to tell them their name? You probably should, right? Yeah. What here? What's oh. your question? And then we'll. Well, it was the. Uh, do you get like desensitized by death? Have you been? Oh, like, yeah. You've been around it so much that it's like it's not really a big deal anymore. You're not really you're feeling it less and less. All the time. I mean, I literally like plan bagging bodies around my lunch break. Yeah. So you're just like, okay, well, they died. Oops, sorry. Let's just keep going. It's you. I mean, there's sometimes you get sensitized to like certain patients when you grow a relationship with them. But in general, you're like, someone tells me that their loved one, and I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. That sucks. Because it's like, you're it's just numb pr- to it. It's in my everyday life. I'm like, oh, someone died today, every day. Yeah. No, I'm I'm with that. Just uh, I'm not towards death, but I have lost people in yeah. my life now and stuff. And you truly you hear of other people's just minor yeah. problems, even or something that's a big deal, but not that big. Yeah. It's like, hmm. That was from Loretta. It's a good yeah. question. I mean, sometimes it, it hits you like a ton of bricks. So like I'll be sitting in my car and I'll be like, wow, I just like freaking just bagged this body and I put a toe tag and pushed them into the dang morgue. And you're like, oh, that's really creepy. Not everybody does that every day. You know, I like how often you say dang. <laughs> I really do. I think it's, I find it endearing. Well, thank you. <laughs> I can't swear demon. at work. <laughs> <laughs> um, how about your coworkers? Like, what what sort of person is there? You know, every job kind of attracts a type, typically. And then there's always the good type and the bad type, sort of. What's the bad type of hospice? Like, ever had problems with any coworkers where they, I don't know, Enjoy the power, abusive, or get too involved emotionally, anything like that that you've seen? Some getting too involved emotionally, but I mean, not unhealthy quite. I mean, it can be because you're like, you have to be numb and you have to have the mental power to be like, okay, this is what I do every day. Yeah. Because some people just get hired and they didn't know they were supposed to work with dying patients. And they're like, oh, Oh, I have to bag a body. Oh my God. Wait, People take the job without knowing what... Yeah. Just to get the job, because they want to make they the take money. Whatever, and yeah, what? God, so I don't know. I mean, you would think there'd be hospice workers who have been convicted for getting in wills and shit like that. I bet there. There that probably shit's is. All over. Yeah. yeah, I know that's what I'd do. I mean, you hear stories about you know the abusive people being abusive in in like old folk home old folks homes and uh is that what it's called old folks homes. <laughs> old folks <laughs> uh but I, I would imagine that there has to be some of that going on where the people are taking advantage of patients or you ever pulled someone's hair stealing their money even or like um that's more on the psych stuff where i've seen stuff like that happen yeah okay those kind of facilities yes we actually had a patient that um a family a co-worker that fell in love with the patient and married the patient in the psych ward? Yes. Where'd you guys meet? <laughs> <laughs> oh, he was he was a patient at the psych ward that I work at. Like she sounds crazier almost than the guy in there, huh? Yeah. What what how, how about uh you said you were attacked 
in psycho or you have yeah been. um i've had my rib cage almost broken i've had my mouth busted open i've had my hair pulled and eaten i've had myself i've been strangled before Jesus. i've been sexually oh. assaulted at the psych ward oh, no. yeah i was just about to cheer in that one <laughs> sorry it, was like, good. it wasn't <laughs> yeah, it wasn't bad i mean okay. it, i mean it wasn't good but right. like they just shoved their hand down my pants yeah front or back front <laughs> but i used to have That's my horrible. ass grabbed every day so well yeah, I mean, I. Do you, and you what I they're crazy. And like, know? when it comes to like ass grabbing, I mean, is it to the point where you're like, I can complain or I can like make this a huge stink every time it happens, or or I can just be like, all right, this is kind of like, do, do you, you just kind of gotten it? to the point where you've just like accepted it in a weird way? Yeah, I just accepted that I was gonna get touched inappropriately all the time. I was like, whatever, they don't know better, so yeah. it's fine. I mean, it's not fine, but like, it's yeah. okay. How and when you got your ribs nearly broken what happened i feel like we glossed over all this um i was trying to show the patient how to go to sleep and encourage them to sleep so i put my head on the table and then they went and kicked me right in the back yeah okay a lot to unpack there you were showing them how to sleep by laying your head on a table yes that's not how you sleep (laughs) (laughs) that's why he got upset and kicked you what was the person afflicted with they were um had syphilis in the brain. Crazy from syphilis. Yes. Like Al Capone. Oh, wow. It's a real thing. Yeah, absolutely. It's so people just thing. don't get it treated? I didn't know that still existed. They couldn't get treated for that anymore. Like, it was like, they are too far gone. Their brain was completely, like, eaten by the syphilis, and so they didn't know what they are doing. Wow. I'm just, I'm, I'm jaw dropped. How do you, far, how, how do you let Sisyphus, Sisyphus, how do you let? <laughs> Our good friends. It's Sisyphus Brewing. Steve, it's a choice, okay? Yeah, I made the choice to let syphilis eat my brain and it's a lifestyle choice and i want you to accept it in fact i want rights what um wow i I really had no idea that was still around like that i mean it's like one i've seen like ever so i mean i don't know how common it is but what other weird things like that have you seen or what what are the most the more severe things you've seen well, pretty much people just, they do a lot of hard drugs. Every person that I cared for, for the most part, did very, a lot of hardcore drugs, like, um... That's bad for you? Acid, LSD, okay. meth, amphetamine, heroin, stuff like that, so their acid? brains were Acid? Acid was the one that's putting people in the psych ward? Apparently long-term use, yes. <laughs> so you get punished because you like to relax. <laughs> the most violent patient I had did shrooms their whole entire life. Really? Yeah. And like, wow. how violent was he? Was he where he had to be like restrained in a straight He's jacket? He's the one that choked me, and we couldn't use restraints in the psych unit. And it was all it was it was only mushrooms that he had been doing. Or? Well, I don't remember their whole medical history, so I don't know exactly mm. everything that they did. But the most potent one was shrooms. So, I, you know, I still think because we've talked about that a couple times with our um, schizophrenic one and stuff. Yeah, and I just think people with schizophrenia. Well, your brain is a house of horrors. Like, you know, like even my. I sit there, like, I don't like being alone with my fucking mind sometimes. Yeah. You're thinking of shit all the time. It's like, oh, yeah, yeah. so go fucking give me a, a Coors Light. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I want to, yeah. like, shut it down a little bit or whatever. I, I mean, so I think that's also a huge part of that. Like, I yeah. don't think it's the drugs, per, just personally. Yeah, but, yeah. Well, I don't think it is either, per se, but it's yeah. just like, it shows, like, a lot of people's brains are pretty much fried from yes. long-term use of drugs. Right, or they're fried and they're trying to ease themselves with drugs. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, yeah or worse and worse. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I'm not trying to stand. Drugs chicken, do not help your fucking brain. Before that, I'll tell you that. I used to. I I would have been a Jeopardy champion ten years ago. <laughs> now I'm a fucking idiot. <laughs> now I can't even find the buzzer. <laughs> um, what? Uh, okay. 
choke. How about the okay? The choking. Was this like a great movie? Like a two hands on your neck? Because you are a very little person. I'm not a, a dwarf, uh, but a small person. Like, do you have family or like you can't do that job? Like, yeah. Um, well, I was 18 when I started there, so I, this is all I knew. Okay. Like, completely, I was like, okay, this is normal. This is completely fine. But then I started realizing that it wasn't normal. And that a lot of people shouldn't be dealing with situations like that. Because I was one person to 32 patients. Oh, wow. And the nurse was between a locked unit and my unit. Like, there was, like, a door that was locked. So, like, if things happened and I'd be screaming, she couldn't hear me kind of thing. Like, so, it was very dangerous. So, you were yeah, in a horrible, horrible facility, would yes, you say? Yes, it was the worst facility I could ever imagine being in. To the point, like, I literally had a patient fall on top of me and I couldn't get up and no one could hear me screaming for help. Like, I had to try to find my phone out of my pocket to call and get help. Like, the cops Jeez. used to have to come in and handle the patients. Wow. wow. So there wasn't, like, security on the premises? No. That you just have to seems, call 911. That seems really, like... What a shit way. show. Right. Yeah. I mean, we had the other guy uh, that we talked to about it. and Yeah, oh, he had security that was, yeah. well, hey, help, and then they just run right over. I mean, like, six orderlies. You know, like, what you think of, I guess. Wow. And what's the most... Um, dangerous evil type guy that you ever saw would you say was there anyone who struck you where you go like this guy's evil he's dangerous yeah the, there was one guy who was just incredibly violent and who thought I was a vampire thought you were a vampire yes I can see that and he was so strongly hallucinating that he like was like oh I'll be your friend if you go suck blood with me like just don't suck my blood like I'll help you get these people and he, I just kept falling into it because at that point when you can't talk someone out of that and so it's like, yeah, sure, I won't bother you or whatever. And then all of a sudden he's like, I'm going to get you and just started trying to freaking attack me. And like I had to run out the door and close the locked unit door. And he's in there banging on it. And we had to call the cops to come get him to leave the door so we can make sure the other patients are okay. And you're an 18-year-old girl. So, you know, uh, you... want to get into that? Oh, your mic's off. I'm sorry. What made you want to get into that? I wanted to be a nurse really bad, and so I was like, okay, this is cool. Like, I'll help all these people. You know, they don't know what's going on and stuff like that, and it actually made me not want to be a nurse until yeah. I got hired into a different job field, and then I was like, oh, I love my job again. So you talked about... Should I wait to talk? No. I just don't know if it's no. showing. Okay. Um, you, um, you talked about your mom, like that that process. I don't know if you're comfortable talking about it. Oh, yeah, I'm okay, okay. With that. What... How did that even, in, like, when she died, when you went through that process, was there something that happened that made you want to be a hospice worker? Like, did you not say something, or did you handle it really well, and you wanted to pass it on, or what? Um. Well, I was 16 years old at the time, and I was by myself, and I was with her, and um, she was, I spent the day with her and everything like that, and after she, the nurses were like, oh, she passed on, or whatever, and then they left me with her alone for hours until someone could come pick me up and take care of me and so I was like wow they left the 16 year old girl alone with her deceased mother and they didn't come and check on me too often they just like left me alone with the dead body yeah and that was very traumatizing for me at that point and so I was like I never want anybody to feel that kind of pain and feel that alone in life ever so I'm gonna go ahead and do this the best I can to make sure no patient dies alone and no family's left alone so yeah, it's a real calling for you, or, yeah. you know, a personal thing. What what um, do you have a? Is there a dad in the picture? He passed away of cancer as well. Oh my god! Oh, How old is that? I was two and a half. Oh my god! I'm sorry to hear that. I'm really sorry to hear That's that. That's okay. That's a t- um. 
So do you have sisters, brothers, anything like that? Um, Not close at all, Not no. close at all, yeah. But, oh man, just to think of that being, I mean, for your for your parents, you know, like it's it's a sad thing as a, I'm a parent now. So just to think of leaving your kids that, that early is tough. So I'm sorry. Um, no, I'm just fucking sad. You really, really <laughs> I was going to say, you, seem, you <laughs> seem very well adjusted and very like, you know, for somebody that's been through that and basically losing both your parents at a pretty young age and you know it seems like you got it pretty together so good good for you for Thank someone you. yeah especially yeah. for someone who's like you know watch people eat shit i mean that yeah that's very <laughs> <laughs> admirable that you've gone through that which i would I don't think, think that, you talked about i would that. think that you if you're working in that environment though it kind of keeps you in line in a way too you're like man i need to mind my p's and q's so i don't end up <laughs> in this place i don't end up crazy yeah. i oh, hope yeah. for good karma to come back yeah. around yeah. Two beers, third donut. Oh, my so wife really is here. She'd be the, fucking you're really, screaming. You're really winning the morning. <laughs> she can't know this. So, I'm, in, um, I'm emotionally, I'm, I'm eating my emotions. <laughs> do we want to do the Facebook psych ward questions? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, you yeah, eat your donut. Jump off. Um, so, Marie Wright wants to know: Do you see people that are fakers, and if so, what do they do? I've never seen a faker. Except for like at the, um, in the other unit I work in, I've seen people fake their pain a lot to get medication and drugs sure. a lot, but I've never seen someone fake mm-hmm. a psych issue. And no. fake my way all the way into hospice. <laughs> <laughs> Just for the morphine. <laughs> no. And Just then, no for the attention. <laughs> and Maria Cruza, uh, kind of, we talked about the demonic stuff in the hospice. Do you see more demonic or uh, occurrences in the psych ward in the psych um i actually had a patient that used to talk to her friend that didn't exist all the time and would tell me how much that he hated me and that you're just such a little bitch and you're a little skink and you carved your body you little devil bitch all the time every day Mm -hmm. and then one day this woman went mad and i swear she was possessed because there's nothing we could do to calm her down and she was just chasing after me and i'm hiding in different units and she's saying and speaking like another like languages or something like weird shit yeah, 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 <laughs> that's yeah. i'm satan backwards <laughs> and i've never been more scared of a patient besides that because she just you couldn't calm her down she just kept talking weird stuff and her eyes were just like freaking the craziest things that i've ever seen yeah they just like looked crazy do you think you got targeted in those places because you're you know I mean, you're a small, yeah. pretty girl. Like, it's just, I don't know. I can see that guys target you for that reason and women because yeah, she's yeah. prettier than me. Yeah, yeah. And then they're all going to attack you. I think because I was a smaller person, it was easier for them to attack me and be an easier target because, I mean, it was just me and then sometimes this male nurse, and that mm-hmm. was about it. Wow. I can't and believe that there were that few people with that many. Did this place yeah, get shut down? that seems crazy to me. No. Really? I, it sh- it should have, but whenever um, state came around, they would up the staff and up everything to make it look better. Mm. It was that kind of wow. facility. Wow. Yeah, you can't. I mean, I, I I just really really hope that I never have to be in a psych ward. It just sounds just. I mean, You're gonna you can't. Up, like, how long. comfortable <laughs> is it for patients? I mean, is it more basically just a prison more or less so that they can kind of they're not really getting treatment it's just more of a place where they can put them to keep them to keep away from us keep them away from us it's more just to keep them away or like people don't want to care for them and stuff like that and it's super it's one of the cheaper facilities so it's yeah. like it doesn't cost too much to put you in there so, yeah, they're, start a, so yeah. they're not really getting actual treatment really no they're just kind of there to hang out 
Yeah. I'm going to start a moderately priced psych ward. Right. It's going like to be the cheapest psych ward in town. It's be the, like the Holiday Inn mm-hmm. of psych wards. Um, so what do they do? What do I mean, what do, what do the people in the psych ward do then? I mean, are they just like playing checkers? Like what, what do they do to keep them? <laughs> I mean, we have activities. Like you can come sing songs with us and do bingo and talk and eat watch movies. Shit. Eat your own shit. Yeah. We call it dingleberries, by the way. Yeah, I know dingleberries. Yeah, we call them dingleberries. I had to cut some of the scissors when I was 15. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> How'd you see someone eat their own feces for real? Every day. Um, Every he, day? Yeah. That's, That's why I had to call them dingleberries because when you're like you're watching someone eat their own shit, you gotta like disassociate it. Yeah. And I was like, oh, there's like little dingleberries. They like look like little grapes, and he just eat them out of his um, undergarments every night. And then his undergarments. And then one day, um, I went People in there, were... and there was I thought he was eating an apple, and oh, he you. was eating his own shit. And Did that was like an apple. I it thought bloody. it was an apple from afar, and then I actually ended up vomiting all over the floor. And then, and like they had to clean up for me because I couldn't go back in there because I was so traumatized for a few days. Like I was like, I just watched that you eat like gross. an apple sized shit. How do you have sex at the end of the day? Like for real? Like how do you go home right. and just like Decompress. live a normal like oh, all the just the dreams of death and insanity yeah. and whatever that I don't know. You know, do, does it? intrude in your regular life sometimes i mean penises don't mean anything anymore what yeah because <laughs> you see them all the time so every penis looks mm-hmm. the same and then some guys be like oh i got a big dick or whatever yeah. and you're just like oh okay that's cool you say no i saw a corpse with a fucking whatever <laughs> i mean what you is, do think that sometimes. what is the biggest uh biggest dick that you've ever seen <laughs> on a cor- that bottle beer bottle yes it's a victoria beer bottle was it uh small at the end like that no. Like the bottom, like the thick part, the whole Yes. Way? Was it the guy dead or alive? He was alive that time. Okay. <laughs> wow. Jesus. Was he thin? Yeah. It's always thin guys. With they do. Like thinner, thinner men have bigger penises mm-hmm. and fatter men yep. have really tiny penises. Yep. Absolutely. No, I always said Gillespie. Yep. I bet he's got a fucking giant dick. <laughs> but he never goes for it. But. Steve? Yes. Do you want to skin it? What do you got? No. Um... What uh, smallest dick you've ever seen on a corpse? Um, Have you ever laughed at a corpse's body so or an insane person? Um, I've never laughed at a corpse's body. I've laughed at another person's body because they had, I mean, it was uncomfortable. So you can't help but giggle. Their pe- their balls were about the size of a human head and their penis was inverted. Wow. What, Inside uh, the balls. You must have so a many, great personality. So that are like what kind of pants do you wear? So unfortunate. <laughs> Some people are just really unfortunate. Mm-hmm. I mean, not only are you in a psych ward, your your brain's fucked. Yeah, is that and psych ward? Dick. Yes. Well, that was. Yeah, you're, you're Maybe that's why he's crazy. Like dwarfing your own dick. <laughs> You'd be crazy too if your fucking like, dick God was damn. in your torso. Catch like a, a break. <laughs> Otherwise, the smallest dick's about like my thumb, maybe like an inch, two inches. Very and small. And it thumb. was a very, very young man, and really? it was very unfortunate. Poor guy. Psych ward. Yes. That's why. That's why all these guys are crazy. Um, and then we got one more from Facebook. David Riv wants to know, I guess this applies to hospice as well, but has a patient ever made a compelling case for a death with dignity or a doctor-assisted suicide? Yes. And unfortunately, that's still not a huge, big thing in Minnesota. Yeah. Um, other states, yes. And do we wish it for everybody? Yes, I do. Yeah? I wish a lot of people could do physicians assisted suicide and what's the example of it that really hit home with you or was there something where you go like really this person really deserves this when they're suffering 
all the time because a lot of patients last a lot longer on the obtundin and not being able to do anything for a long time. But I always wish it for the younger patients so that way they can die not being not in control of their body because that's a big fear for a lot of people because when you are dying you have no control over anything mm-hmm. that you're doing you're literally being obtundent for like weeks to months on end and like, you have and you have patients that have probably expressed the fact that they would rather just be dead at this point or like a can, lot can of I them. just kill myself or yeah a lot of them be like I wish I could just die and then like crying to you all the time just saying I wish I could just die just let me die like I want to die now I don't want to die and not be in control of my body and mm-hmm. things like that do you think of that how uh, so how do you view that with people who are afflicted with with severe mental illness or things like that? Because, I mean, I, like, I believe them, you know, that they want to oh, go yeah. and stuff like that. I don't know. What do you think of that? I I think a lot of people with psychological issues and, like, the psyche, and I wish a lot of them were able to pass on because you're so far gone. You, you're literally eating your own shit, and it's very heartbreaking to think that these people, as funny as it can be and you can be humorous about mm-hmm. it, it's very sad to see yeah. someone in that mental state that they yeah. literally are so crazy. That I mean, you're eating your own shit. You're playing yeah. with shit all the time. Right. And there's, we're very understaffed in facilities like that to the point where people are left in their own feces for yeah. hours people because don't you work can't there. catch up and yeah. stuff like that. Oh. I had a, um, when I was young, working for my dad's furniture store, we are delivering, and this is like, was heartbreaking to me when I was 16 or something, but we're delivering furniture and it was a facility, at, like a, a group home or whatever. And I always try to be over, I talk too much and overly nice and whatever. And I noticed they had that plastic like edge guard around the outer corner or whatever that went all the way to the ceiling and it was like six inches back. It was the hugest edge guard I've ever seen. I go, huh, what did, this, do people run into this corner all the time or is there something going on there? And you go, and the lady compassionately said like, oh no, that's, you know, that's for Tom. Um, Tom, you know, eats the sheetrock if he is left alone with it. And she showed me another wall that he had eaten the outer corner of the sheetrock. I mean, six inches back, floor to ceiling, just eating sheet. And it, wow. it truly like, of course it was slightly funny in ways like later, but truly in that moment, it was devastating. And to think of that there's a parent there, you know, who has to be, yeah. you know, you hear people, oh, he's special or he's whatever. And you think, yeah, okay, my son is eating the fucking sheet rock. Yeah. Like there is, <laughs> like this isn't working. <laughs> whatever. Like I really don't want to hear the special stuff or the, his system inside is fucked up, you know, and it's, it's sad, you know, that that's really fucking sad, you know, and they, sh- I don't know. So yeah. And then you go into it like with just an honest, like innocent question yeah. of like, why is this? And then you get something you weren't expecting. Not at all. all. That's like my grandpa, he had a car dealership and somebody had pulled up into his lot and the kids in the back had helmets on. And he grew up where like, oh, we ride dirt bikes, four wheelers. He's like, oh, you guys going riding oh, later? And the dad was like, oh no, they'll uh, like hit their head against the glass in the car. Mm-hmm. So we have to have helmets on. Because they're, yeah. Yeah. And my grandpa, like, the look on his face was just like, holy shit, I didn't sign up for this. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's not, I mean, like, anytime my parents have been disappointed with me, I want to be like, could be a lot worse. Absolutely. I'm not eating walls and shit. At least I'm not, yeah, I haven't even touched the (laughs) sheetrock. I haven't even had a nipple. (laughs) Leave me alone. Um, What, God, between psych ward and hospice, well, you lived. You worked in a crazy fucking psych ward. That's not even a psych ward. I mean, really, that's like a prison. They have no rules. That's, right? yeah, that's like a TV show. Are you sure it wasn't just an apartment depiction. complex and well, a shitty part of town? Well, have you ever watched American Horror Story Asylum? Yes. A lot of things that happened there has happened to me. Like, I watched that and I was like, oh my god, I feel like I'm watching my own life. I can't watch. I can't, what? I could yes. watch shit like that. Well, I thought that. Like, sh- 
Hang on. I'm just trying to think of that one because that was pretty extreme. There's some weird shit. Okay, like what? Well, what I mean, everything. Let's try to think of crazy. I'm trying to think of like the actual show because I haven't watched it in so long. But I remember watching it and I was like, man, that's actually happened. I mean, are patients? Do you do you catch patients? Patients, you know, having sex, getting down all the time. Really? Yeah, both places. (laughs) Both places in hospice too. Yeah. People in hospice. I mean, you're in a hospital and you're getting cancer treatment as well, just besides hospice. But hospice patients, yes, I've seen a patient who is on hospice having sex with a significant other. Well, I don't. That doesn't really bother me. I mean, I, I don't know. Bothers if me. Dying, Get out of here. If I'm dying, <laughs> I don't know. What, I, I always said uh, for my my wife, if she was dying on a deathbed, she would like summon me near, you know, like she wants to say something to me, and I'd be dabbing her mouth with a damp rag, or whatever. <laughs> and then she'd call me in. Her last words it would be like, <laughs> be like, make sure you mop the floor. Uh, <laughs> I have a be a big to-do list. <laughs> the last words would be a to-do list. Do people die with their eyes open? Yes, and their mouths and, open. And do you have to like, do you do like the thing where you cover their eyes and it closes? It doesn't them? work. It doesn't? Did, you, did no. you like try that on the first day and you're like, hey guys, something's wrong. <laughs> Some Hollywood bullshit. They have to super glue them. What? Shut? Yeah. Wow. They do that with your mouth too. Wow. What's the most terrified expression you've seen on someone's face when they died? Like ever a true like a like whatever well, <laughs> like tried to block not the an expression but I had my chronic masturbating patient die with their hand on their pants and we couldn't get it out. They don't die acutely. I mean their eyes are always open from ninety nine percent of the time. Your mouths are wide open in a gape and you can't shut it at mm-hmm. all. And they die in weird positions depending on what time you get into the room. Sometimes you can die and like they're like in awkward positions too. Like I've had one patient with their legs all the way up like a frog. And then you're trying to move it down, and, oh, they, and it didn't work. They had to break them when they got to the funeral. What? Home. They had to break them? Oh. Yeah, to make you look normal. They break. We gotta get a bodies. fucking funeral home guy in there. I didn't know that was a thing. <laughs> they break your bones to get things in the proper positions. Oh, I never would. With have what? That. Fucking whacking you with a two by four or something like that. <laughs> So I could you imagine the joke like at the funeral home with like the new guy? They're like, okay, we gotta break these guys' bones, and like they just. No, new guy, break the bone. Nope. Like, well, I'm just so angry and play it off and just beat the hell out of this guy. Oh, I'd set it up so people walk in on me, like, whatever, working a guy over with a two by four or something. Why are you breaking his life? (laughs) He owes me money. I mean, I accidentally almost broke someone's, like, finger trying to, like, get it straight. And then I heard it crack and then I stopped because I got really scared. Have you ever tried? So, why why were you trying to get their finger straight? Because it was crooked. Yeah. Is that part of your job? Or are you the finger Like you're trying straightener? to like, because un- they're like clenching their fist, yeah. so you're trying to undo it. Okay, but you're a, you're a hospice nurse, right? Yeah. So what, why did you have to? I was trying to be polite, so because before they get too, um, <laughs> before they get too cold, your body can still move sometimes. Yeah. And so I'm trying to help straighten things out for the next time, then they go to the funeral home so they don't have to like break anything. Yes, no, I do get it. That was a humane thing. <laughs> I was just trying you to. You should tell the hospice patients, be like, hey. Make For sure our convenience, up. can yeah. you just make sure your legs are straight and arms are down? Pretend you did the toothpick off of a diving board or whatever. Just die can with you do a dignity, please. <laughs> I um, I was doing that as a bit for a little bit. It never really went anywhere. But I saw like my first corpse that I saw. I was driving down Portland Avenue in the fifties, and it it looked like a uh, like it looked like trash in the road. And I didn't realize how when you die, it's like like it made me believe in a soul because like clearly. 
something's gone because you don't look human at all. You know, your body's contorted weird. And it just, it hit me like garbage. And then when I got close and the lights were like coming into the headlights, I was like, oh, because it was like um, October. I was like, oh, it's a scarecrow. Someone threw a scarecrow in the road. In the middle of the Twin Cities. Like, <laughs> yeah, oh, I mean, for real. That was just my thought. And then I, I started to like drive. Oh, I got to drive around that garbage. I don't want it to hit my car. And then I, uh, as I go by it, I look, and it's like the head is turned towards me and exactly eyes wide open and mouth, and it just like shook me to my fucking core. I was just like, oh, my God. Did you stop and get out? Um, no, I kept going. It was scary. <laughs> and then I went home, and I was like, did that crying thing to my wife that a lot of people who see death probably the first time I was just like you know I just I never want to take anything for granted again I'll never take anything for granted and I woke up the next day like embarrassed like like I saw her in the, in the kitchen I was like oh fuck and I, like you have to take things for granted you can't you'd never make it out of a candle shop or whatever like you just like oh, it's so beautiful <laughs> or like you'd never people would call me to go to the movies I'm like no I think I'm just gonna stay in and study the lines on my mother's face <laughs> i don't want to take this for granted you know but yeah well i have so. a funny thing that actually the dead oh, bodies like that. taught me <laughs> so that's there's a reason the bit didn't work uh, <laughs> okay. um you don't want to die overweight because okay. there's nothing like trying to bag an obese patient into a small tiny bag oh my god that was, that's very traumatizing and i dedicated my life to not dying fat because i want to build a fit in a body bag you think yeah, we throw a few of you in a, in a body bag. <laughs> um, how about uh, have you ever done the like the poke them with a stick kind of thing? Like you know, I poke them all the time because yeah. I don't believe that they're dead. And I'll just sit there and I'll poke them because I'm like, oh, I don't know. If I mean, if the family's not around, if the family's around, I'll be like all professional, like, oh yeah, take my stethoscope, listen to you. Right. But if I'm just by myself, I always kind of poke them a little bit and Where try do you to poke like, them. Scrotum. Right by their mouth, actually, because you can feel like the breath. So I'll poke their cheek, and if they don't move, and then I'll put my hand above their um, face and see if I can feel breath coming out of them. Wow, have you ever had the gasp thing? Like, I mean, I've heard yes. of the gas, like gas release. That sounds like a gasp or something. Yeah, yeah, they do that. That was the one time I got really scared because I was yeah. facing the other way. I mean, does it sound like a true, like a, <laughs> or I don't know, like a real gasp? It, would you say it does? Sometimes it sounds like a burp. They gargle sometimes, too. They make noises when you move them. Gargling makes more sense. I can see that, you know, how you'd make that noise. But um, do you get nightmares about the job? Not really, no. No? I mean, sometimes, like, the first couple times I had a nightmare that, like, I was in, being doing my job and then, like, the patient came back to life. But What's the most... I don't want to say this, like, as if uh, it's... What's the most inappropriate thing that you've ever done? Okay, because... You're, you're working around bodies all the time. And yeah. Stuff. I'd imagine that it becomes natural to sort of joke with your coworker, be funny, I, you know, whatever. Do something. Is there a, ever a thing where you go, if someone knew that I did that, that I would, like, they'd think I'm a fucking weirdo. Yeah. Um, we bring <laughs> treats into the rooms for the families as the patients are dying. And then sometimes when the patients are deceased and the families don't take the treats, we'll fight over the treats that we left in the room oh i thought you were gonna say you took the pringles and made like that duck bill thing and stuck them in the corpse's mouth no you should do that that'd be bad karma has anyone ever done that as a bit like okay you uh the the corpse is in there waiting for you you beg this one blah blah blah, and then you go in there and there's some setup we'll we'll surprise each other we'll hide and then sometimes we'll like have somebody come in and then you go boom and yell at them and then they freak out Huh. Or we'll move things in the room a little bit and see if they notice. Yeah. You got to hide in a body bag and then when 
That's on my bucket list. Have you ever got in a body bag? No, it's on my list of things to do. Let's do it. I would love that. I can sneak you in one. Can, can you bring one in here and then we'll film you getting or whatever. <laughs> I'll get in it. <laughs> what? Um, I'd let Steve get in there, but he'd jack off or something. He's a <laughs> sicko. Um, what? Oh, damn it, I just had something. I wanted to ask about um, the psych ward. It, it, people that you've seen that were, you know, really um, talked up and just like, wow, they're really in a real bad place and then they get treatment or they come out of it and they're like normal and cured, I guess. Is that ever happened? No. It doesn't sound like there was much training in your, or much treatment in yours. No, either. they were just pretty much there just because nobody else would take care of them. Mm. All right. Who, of all the patients you've ever had, who do you hate the most? Oh, that's a tough one. There's a lot. Yeah. I mean, as much as that's terrible no, to sound, I can see, absolutely. you have ones that are really annoying you. Um, I think the the ones in the psych unit, I don't hate. As crazy as that sounds, yeah. like as badly as they've beaten me up and stuff like that, I've never hated them because I know they can't help it. It's the ones that are um, very needy and ungrateful for their life that I deal with on an everyday basis. Like mm. we have, since I work with cancer, there's patients that are still continuing to smoke cigarettes and do drugs and drink and stuff oh, like really? that. Oh, really? That pisses you off a lot? Yeah, because I'm like, you're you're here to get better and you're literally not doing what we're asking you to do and you're just making it worse for yourself. They already have cancer. Yeah, die. but they have a, but they're getting treatment to get to like live, and so they're right. actively while they're getting their treatment, going outside and smoking a cigarette. And I'm like, really, yeah. you're really yeah. doing that? I mean, I see that, but I also do see that, you know, people carry a lot of baggage in their life, and and, and it's hard. And you mm. got cancer, and sometimes that little fucking white cigarette is just the only yeah. thing yeah, that gives you pleasure in this world. But when it's that's also leading to your problem, like. You need to be able to have the self control not yeah. to. Yeah, I just think that's how good, that's how good cigarettes get you. You know what I mean? That's how deep it. Yeah, gets but you. I mean, it's, you can still smoking. like when it comes to your life, you don't have enough like care at that point when you're in the hospital. Then it's like you're now you're just wasting your chemo and all your treatment. Yeah. I think you should be able to party it down if you're fucking got cancer. Just you know, sorry, yeah. <laughs> I got cancer. Well, wasn't that what Warren Zevon did? Yeah, absolutely. Well, no, no, he didn't party it down really, but he. Um, God, he wrote the most beautiful song ever. Do you know that the, song? The whole no. album. Keep Me In Your Heart. Yeah, it's a yeah, great album. album but, but that's what happened, though, is he got, he was diagnosed with the cancer that was human. He was going to die. Mm-hmm. And he had been sober for years and years and years. Oh. And then he just said, all right, well. And then he was just a huge booze bag. But then also made probably one of the, the better albums. That song fucking makes me cry every time I hear yeah. it. We'll play it at the end of this yeah. one. No, for real, you should listen to it. It's a good song. It's a great, it's about whatever dying with cancer yeah. and to the loved ones um Warren Zevon rest in peace mm-hmm. love that guy um let's see I don't know I don't know I'm so I know there's way more to talk about the psych ward stuff but I think we gotta wrap up anyway cause of time mm-hmm. yeah, and right. um we'll see what we wanna do with this oh and oh, I, I do have one I know for me like one of the big things especially when I think of um your work with cancer patients, especially, because that's something that's touched my, well, cancer has a little bit, but really uh, it's more about like, in cancer specifically, what is the biggest um, pair of tits you've ever seen like that a patient has had? I've actually never seen them at that place. The biggest pair of tits I saw were in the psych unit. Really? And it, they were so big, it took both my hands to lift them up. Really? And were you lift, yes. like, why were you oh. lifting up tits? <laughs> Huge tits. Just to see, just to see how. I mean, I know why I would be lifting up these tits, but 
To put them in my mouth. <laughs> it's like a bag of milk. <laughs> Absolutely. I had to powder them. So in order to put powder, you have to so lift them. So you don't them. get yeast infections yeah. underneath them. I know that because I Do, hang with some chips. So are they hiring? <laughs> <laughs> We're going to open, yeah, a psych ward with powdering tits and you I'm don't even have to be crazy you don't I'm have to be crazy ward. to come in and get your tits powdered we'll just do we'll just do I'm a psych ward just for chicks with huge tits that'd be fucking awesome <laughs> alright guys that was our show I hope that you guys liked it um, I really believe that they're all getting better from here and that one was a super fun one so thank you to our guest guest Patty the Asian Patty the Asian Patty from straight out of Vietnam and uh, thank you, Patty. She was terrific. And uh, please share the episode. We always appreciate that. Um, rate us on iTunes. And, and for God's sakes, uh, check us out on Patreon. We have some really fun shit going out on there. Tevin, what am I missing? Uh, yeah, I would just say follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Um, we're at ProConPod. Share and rate your favorite episodes. Um, our, we've, got a, we've got a great new sponsor, Brady Mason. Uh, who's a realtor? He's gonna he's gonna help me buy my first house. I'll tell you that much. He, uh, but yeah, Brady Mason dot Check him out. He's uh, he's a, he's great at what he does. And if you're in the market for a house, and if you like to party, not a better guy to know. But uh, yeah, we just appreciate you guys listening, and hope you guys enjoyed this episode. And we will see you next week. Deuces. <laughs>